Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're gonna be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you gonna get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to and so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. Thank you for being here, uh, by the way. My pleasure. Thank you for everything. Like you were, you were like a very <laughs> early supportive voice for the yes, show. Yeah, I just feel like I've had no time to even think about the topics. We will fake our way through it. Okay, good. <laughs> as I have been doing my good. entire life. All right. With all of my endeavors. I will follow your lead. Okay. Um, we should tell people uh, you are a Patreon supporter of the show yes. as well. Mm -hmm. All right, Lynn Cody. Uh, I hate doing the prize thing. Giller Prize winning. Yeah, do it. Okay. Tell the world. You're a wonderful novelist and a, a television writer. Mm -hmm. Welcome to Candleland Shortcuts. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Patricia Chartier, Stephen Dunn, Aubrey Nealon, Aaron Garnum, Stephen Cooper, Susie Elwood, Kyle Jared McLean, Jamie Morrison, Catherine Durrell, Angelica Montgomery, and Squarespace. Ever used, uh, ever built a website, Lynn? I have indeed, with good old Squarespace. You have, you've, you've actually done one with Squarespace? Yeah, yeah. People are going to think that we rehearsed this. I didn't know. <laughs> and I'll tell you what's great about Squarespace. <laughs> it's, it's always a problem because you always, everybody knows somebody that can make a website for them. And it's always a nice favor, the person agrees to do it. But then you're completely dependent on them. You're calling exactly. them in the middle of the night. If something's wrong, it's your public face. Yeah. And they give you that one favor, but then they're chained to you for life. Yeah. They're like, wait a minute. I didn't sign on to be your admin. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was uh, wonderful. And they're not paying you anything. So that helped me a lot. 24-7 <laughs> support via live chat and email. And uh, it's only $8 a month. And and uh, if you sign up for a year and you enter in Canada Land, when you sign up for a year, you get 10% off your Squarespace account. Do it now. Go to squarespace.com. Squarespace, build it beautiful. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now. 
there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars And I I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. In an unprecedented move, the body tasked with protecting Canadian content announced plans to eliminate quotas from daytime television. Quotas are a square peg in a round hole. The requirement of 55% Canadian content for daytime TV will go down to 0%. Hoping a radical rethink will foster more, better television. Focus more on quality than quotas. Quality over quantity. The CRTC is kind of hurting the broadcasting system, even though it thinks it's helping it. This could destroy small production companies in Canada. You write for Orphan Black? Um, I have worked in the story room of Orphan Black. Okay. What do you think about what the CRTC is doing? Um, Well, as somebody who's really new to television, I didn't know what to think. So um, I checked in with a lot of people I know and a lot of old pros. And nobody's particularly happy. Uh, The best... Probably like the most positive response I've heard from somebody was like an independent producer who said it basically won't change anything. But everyone else's opinion kind of went downhill from there. Yeah. I mean, they're saying we want quality, not quantity, but you can't legislate quality. You can legislate quantity. You can say there needs to be this many hours of Canadian TV. Yeah. And that will create a lot of jobs. Yeah. But you can't – the CRTC can't mandate that shows be good. No, that's not – what the CRTC's job is, that's not what they're supposed to be doing. So it's weird that he gets up there like he's the head of, you know, CBC television and starts rhapsodizing about, you know, shepherding the first Canadian Mad Men or Canadian Sopranos or something. That's, but exactly like you say, that's not what the CRTC is meant to do. And, um, and how can you have quality without quantity? in this landscape anyway. Yeah, I've heard that argument made that one of the reasons why Canadian television is generally awful is because 
Americans develop way more shows. Mm -hmm. And so there's just a process of not every show is going to be good. You don't know until you make it. And then if you make a lot more, then you'll have more good shows. And if you're making less, which there will be more, there will be fewer shows made as a result of the, of the new regulations, then there'll be less quality shows. Yeah, I think it's pretty basic math. Like we need proliferation. We need the opportunities to make lots and lots of Canadian shows, lots and lots of shit if need be. I mean, certainly American television produces lots and lots of shit. Um, some of that shit, you know, gets huge viewerships and underwrites other TV shows that you and I might think of as, or, you know, Jean-Paul Jean Blais might think of as quality television. Yeah. I think that it's a um, disingenuous thing he's saying that yeah. he's going to somehow make good television. But I don't disagree with the decision to mm -hmm. drastically scale back the amount of production. And I think what he's appealing to very savvily is the fact that most people, if, you're, if they're asked, what do you think of Canadian TV? They would say, oh, it's garbage. And there is this conception that it's just this state propped up. Uh, industry, which I mean, mm -hmm. it is, and so he's like, it's consistent with, like, yeah, why, why, why spend my money on on that on that stuff? And uh, you know, I, I, we talked about it on the show before that, like, the, the system through one, whether it's through CRTC or just through the invasion of Netflix and over the top services, mm -hmm. the CanCon system can't sustain. Yeah, you know, it I mean, and you know, there's all. I would argue that it's been a failure in terms of like producing great shows with any mm -hmm. regularity. It hasn't been a failure in creating tons of jobs. I mean, it has created a viable industry. Well, yeah. And, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I mean, I think I would take issue with some of what you're saying. I, I think that uh, we have created great shows in the past and, and we will still, but I mean, our, our industry is, is just tiny compared to the state. So it's really easy to be impatient with it and say, you know, why, why is it all, I don't know, whatever it is these days that, that people particularly don't like, and why can't, you know, why can't we, why can't we have our Sopranos and why can't we have our, our, you know, our Canadian Walter Whites? Uh, why do we keep, you know, why is it all Flashpoint and Saving Hope? But of course, Flashpoint and Saving Hope are tremendously successful Canadian television shows. Okay, but let's we have to divide different categories. I mean, it's such a weird conversation to have with you because Orphan Black is sort of the exception to the rule that yeah. is widely considered like, well, that is a great Canadian mm -hmm. TV show. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I don't think that the only thing separating Canada from making good TV is the quantity of shows yeah. made. Nor do I think that it's about uh, the quality of the talent here because yeah. like – I know tons of uh, Canadian TV writers who go and do wonderful things in the States and Hollywood is filled with wonderful people who come from here. Mm -hmm. So there is something systemic that I think is broken if we can agree that the quality is generally low, which is like this is a subjective thing. But, you know, it's totally true. Like yeah. there, there aren't that many great Canadian shows. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm like conflicted about all this stuff because I think that what's emerged from the system is like – a low self-esteem thing in Canada, like we can't make good shows. And I, and I wonder if the reason why we're not making good shows is because of the, like the, the broadcasters don't care if they have hits or not. They're just trying to fill the quotas. Like you care as a writer, uh -huh. but the production companies would rather have a hit than not. But like there's just a lot of people who are just trying to get their paycheck. Yeah, but I, I think that Canadian broadcasters need time to find their stride. And if the CRTV kind of jumps in just when Canadian broadcasters are starting to do that, and Orphan Black is a great example, uh, then all of a sudden they're kneecapped. Like a person at the network was telling me, you know, we had just figured it out. We had just figured out – when I say the network, I mean like it's not like there's one – a network. She's, she was saying we just figured it out. You know, we had – we figured out how to incorporate all these Canada content regulations – 
and create shows that were viable, that sold advertising, that had huge audiences. We were getting 10 out of 10, you know, that 10 point system where you just have to make sure. 10 you're points safe. Canadian, the writer, the actor, the yeah. this, the that. It's yeah. Canadian enough. Exactly. So they had figured out, and, and I, I can't imagine how long it took them to do this, to, to meet these quotas and make it viable and make it successful. And now they're putting them on the air. And all of a sudden, after all that work, they don't have to do that anymore. They don't they don't have these requirements. And and so what happens when you don't? It means like we don't have these shows that kind of serve as, you know, a bit of a minor leagues for for writers and producers and directors. And, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because this isn't going to affect Orphan Black or, or the big shows. This no. is going to affect the date. It's going to affect the Canadian remakes of American reality shows. It's mm-hmm. going to affect the, the the really low budget stuff. Yeah. But. If you and that stuff is, I think, genuinely regarded as as mostly terrible. But if <laughs> if you kill it, then where's the training ground? Yeah. For Orphan Black and, and and the shows that people do like. Exactly. And then you know you have writers who are like, okay, well, there's nowhere in Canada to get my feet wet, so I guess I'll go to the states where it's a much bigger pool, and I probably won't have as many opportunities, and it'll be way more competitive. But you know, it's yeah. really the only place I can go and try my luck. But that is a great way to get a Canadian career is to be a Canadian who goes and gets some credits in the States. Yeah, and then you come back. Yeah. And then you cash in. Then you're golden. Pretty much. Yeah. Like I, I, I know that if tomorrow the regulations were to disappear, thousands of people, an industry would be gone. And that's a very violent way for people to lose their, their livelihoods overnight. Mm-hmm. And that I guess has happened to a lot of the smaller production companies. Like this will mm-hmm. kill – Like you know, and, and it's feast or famine in, in Canadian TV. Like a production company gets like one show on the air and then they staff up and then they're a thing. Mm-hmm. And then that show doesn't get picked up for a second season and the company goes under. That happens all the time. Yeah. So now there's just going to be a lot of blood on the floor. Like I just think if you went into a post-CRTC – future. Mm-hmm. Is that a post-production future? No way. Like people would still totally be making television in Canada. Maybe they'd be making it for the web or yeah. they'd be making it for Netflix or for the American market, but we wouldn't stop making stuff. I suppose not. But I mean, networks like Rogers and Bell, uh, you know, they have no Canadian mandate. They don't have to create great Canadian TV shows. And if you don't require them to, they'll do whatever serves their bottom line. Here are some rabid, extreme statements that uh, our elected officials have been making with some regularity. Parliament is not a place of worship, but for two days straight, religion has been the focus of debate. And frankly, is rooted in a culture that is anti-women. And Mr. Speaker, that is unacceptable to Canadians. If you're not willing to show your face in a... Um, the ceremony that you're joining the best country in the world, then frankly, um, if you don't like that or don't want to do that, stay the hell where you came from. The New Brunswick MP made comments over the weekend that many are calling racist. It makes no sense to pay white you stay home or bring in brown people to work in these jobs. If anyone should have known better, it's Williamson. He once worked as the director of communications in the prime minister's office before becoming an MP. These terrorists ate our society and they ate our values. Ramping up the rhetoric, Blaney used the Holocaust to explain why new laws are needed. Holocaust did not begin in the gas chamber, it began with words. But when pressed on how the bill could have stopped Michael Zahaf Bibo from storming Parliament Hill, Blaney didn't have specifics. Okay, I, I am like so primed to react 
mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. to the terrorists hating our society and the Holocaust comparison. I'm so, you know, with Larry Miller, I want to react to this ridiculous bullshit he said. Mm-hmm. With Williamson, I want to react. With Harper, it's anti-women. I want to react. And it occurred to me, with Jason Kenney, we couldn't find sound, but Jason Kenney uh, tweeting. Did you catch this? I caught that so hard. <laughs> okay, so Jason Kenney tweeted this picture of Muslim women in chains. Yeah. Oh, my, what a terrible image. It it was play acting. It's total bullshit. It was from a, the Ashura ceremony. It was he was saying that like it was presented as if they were in servitude in in, in slavery, mm-hmm. and they they were it was part of a of a religious ceremony. It's and he didn't take it down. Has no, he taken it down yet? I, I don't think I don't think there's been any apology. And even when there's apologies, there are like no one's actually they're standing by these awful things, uh-huh. and they have completely changed the conversation. And I have totally fallen for it. If mm-hmm. it is, I don't know if it's conscious or not. But I, so we've been talking about race. We've been yeah. talking about the niqab. We've been talking about Bill C fifty one, which I think they thought was a great thing for people to talk about for them. But maybe, maybe there's a new poll that suggests whatever you know credit we give to polls, but it suggests that in fact that might have been a problem to bring up because Canadians are turning against it. But mm-hmm. we have been taking the bait, right? Like it's stuff that has a predictable response. The media will pick it up. Yeah. People will get very angry about racist comments. Some people will feel great about them. Here are some things we haven't been talking about. But could 2015 see the loony hit a new record low? All the signs are signaling the Canadian dollar still has further to fall. $43.87, the lowest price for crude oil in six years. And our next guest says... More pain is on the way. The oil price slump is starting to have a wider effect. According to Statistics Canada, 14,000 jobs were lost. We're getting in excess of probably 2,000 resumes a day. Suspended Senator Mike Duffy is facing 31 charges of bribery, fraud and breach of trust in connection to his Senate spending and expense claims. In recent weeks, key witnesses have been subpoenaed by the Crown to testify against Duffy. So that's a bunch of stuff we're not talking about. Are we, though? I think it's, I mean, at least in the news cycle, those issues. The thing about these hot button controversial topics about the niqab and racism is that everybody already stands where they stand. Mm -hmm. And you can, and if you talk about it, it doesn't really change anyone's sympathies or or who they stand with. But the economy and the loony and oil and the mono economy around oil, those are wedge issues that there are a lot of people whose support for Harper is based on the idea that it's a steady hand on the wheel of the economy and the economy has been strong and they don't really care about this other stuff. And, you know, just to state a bunch of facts and not get into conspiracy, like Mm -hmm. it is better for this government, for everybody to to be talking about racism than to be talking about the dollar or oil or the economy or the Duffy scandal. But do you really think that the the PMO has the Machiavellian wherewithal to to whisper into Larry What's-His-Name's ear and went, get on the radio and, and tell, you know, the Muslims to stay the hell back where they came from. Like, do you think it's to that degree? So here's my, okay, no, <laughs> I do not. But here's what I do think. I think that, like, he's kept a bunch of nut jobs on a leash for a long time. Oh, okay. Right? I mean, it's almost like, I think, the, the Harper strategy with the CBC, which is like benign neglect. Uh-huh. Like, do nothing as it implodes. Like, and yeah. in, in any other government could have, you know, 
the, the, the board of the CBC is all, you know, 10 out of 12 of them, I think, are conservative appointed. And their job is just to appoint or to fire and hire the president of the CBC. Mm-hmm. They have not fired Hubert Lacroix. All they have to do is not fire him and the CBC is destroying itself. So my conspiracy theory, such as it is, is that there are – I mean, like John Williamson was like a communications head. Mm-hmm. He, he worked closely with Harper. They're saying – crazy shit all the time. Like there isn't a week that goes by that one of people who are very close to Harper doesn't say something crazy. Is he whispering in their ear and saying, go and say something racist and terrible? Right. No, but Harper has not condemned any of these comments. Right. You know, and everyone knows that the PMO does tell people in the cabinet, in the caucus, what to talk about, what not to talk about. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's possible, Lynn. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he's just sort of letting things happen. I don't know. I would like to subscribe to your conspiracy newsletter. All right. <laughs> I think you've won me over. We're through the looking glass <laughs> oh here. Oh, my God. And yet, like, what, should we not talk about race? Like, if the opportunity – if somebody says something awful and racist, like, I've taken that bait and I've mm-hmm. been talking about it on the show and publishing about it and, and you know, it's – it's that is a conversation that needs to happen. But, you know, now that you say that, you're so right. Like, the thing about the um, – the controversy with the woman wearing her her niqab in in court, it just seems so boneheaded. Like it's hard to imagine Harper not knowing that this was going to be this would turn into a flame war yeah. between the left and the right. Yeah, it just seems like this is something anybody could have told him. Any of his advisors could have told him that like if this woman takes you to court, she's going to win because actually. You have no legal standing whatsoever to tell, you know, a woman that she can't wear her veil when she takes a citizenship oath. Like there's there's no there's no law around that. There's no regulation saying this is the case. Surely he could have checked with somebody about that. Surely yeah. the Harper government could have looked into it before before refusing this woman, you know, the opportunity to take the citizenship oath. Yeah, I mean that was a position that was taken uh, against the law. That is, mm-hmm. the, that is the, the prime minister's like saying, I stand against the law. Yeah. It, it's a very, you know, it's impossible that somebody with his intelligence would not know that that would be an explosive, much talked about thing. Yeah. So, and I, and I, I don't think it's um, any kind of like wild stretch to just say that this guy, you know, is a thoughtful person mm-hmm. who is deliberate about what he does and does not say to the press. Yeah. And so, I, I do remember scratching my head over that and thinking, you know, why, why would he, why would he make this misstep? Like, it just seems so, it just seems like a big puddle in front of him that he has deliberately sort of jumped right into. Yeah. I don't know what, the press should be doing in response to this because if you talk to people who cover politics, they'll, they will freely share with you like, oh, yeah, we're being spun. We're being distracted. Like a lot of people are aware of that. Yeah. And yet they'll do it anyhow. And I can't say that I'm any different. You know, and I like try to have a substantive conversation about these issues. Um, and, you, you, you know, you have a press that's sort of hesitant to instigate topics. Mm-hmm. To say this is what we're going to talk about, and they're instead in a reactive mode, yeah. and then they're they're kind of handing over the the you know message control to and and not just uh, to the conservatives because you know any party can kind of come up with a position or say something crazy and that will determine what's on on the news, mm-hmm. um, and yet like you you know there is this you know kind of looming catastrophe with the Canadian economy that you would kind of forget that it's there. It's always driven me crazy how Harper has managed to maintain this steward of the economy kind of halo. Yeah. The whole time he's been 
he's been totally fucking the economy, basically, with all these mistakes and all these missteps. And somehow, just because he's a conservative, he's he's managed to kind of maintain this. So maybe you're right. Maybe this is finally like there's some cracks in that uh, reputation. Yeah. And I, it also strikes me as possible that some of the stuff whether it's intentional or not, could be bad for them or, you know, backfire if it's intentional or just be bad for conservatives if it's not. Um, in that, yeah, maybe if we talk about Bill C-51 enough, you know, and the kind of tangential issues of terrorism, racism and, you know, niqab and everything that's sort of being spun into one big package that I think, you know, is considered strategically a surefire winner, mm-hmm. maybe, you know – like it actually – and you can see that Mulcair has like, oh, yeah, let's talk. Like Trudeau has sort of punted and said like, well, I don't like C-51 necessarily, but I'm going to support it. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and Mulcair like said, OK, you want to talk about it? Let's talk about it. We oppose it strongly and, and it sort of made that a, a stump speech, you know, uh, uh, an issue and sort of tried to seize it and make it his own. Um, and there – the protests that we just saw, it's possible that that might – be something that actually engages people in, 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 you know, without necessarily like, you know, turning the tides against the conservatives as a goal, but like not just sort of, I don't know, pulling a wool over everybody's eyes and and actually, you know, stimulating something that is not just, you know, I think people shouldn't hide their faces. Well, I, you know, think people should be free. You know? yeah. And it's just, it's just not that interesting a debate, mm-hmm. you know? Ultimately. Yeah. It's just, it's just inflammatory and it sort of appeals to sort of the lowest common denominator of, you know, people's racist feelings. And, uh, and yeah, it's just, it's just kind of ugly and base in terms of a debate. Like it feels like a debate we shouldn't even really be having. No, you would hope that even, you know, that conservatives would say, well, I stand for freedom and personal liberty. And, you yeah. know, like that seems like a kind of a, I don't, but I do get the emails from people say who feel very strongly about this is you know you don't hide your face and I, I guess my response is always like what do you care you yeah know? like why do you care so much like yeah and it's it's not it's it doesn't matter how strongly you feel about it like the yeah. the charter protects people's rights it just to, is yeah exactly so what what the majority has to say about it that's like that that whole. Um, Harper line about uh, most Canadians feel that way. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. I mean, I don't agree with him that most Canadians feel that way necessarily. But even if they did, it doesn't matter. That was Canada Land Shortcuts. I hope you enjoyed it. You can always email me at jesse at jessebrown.ca. I'm on Twitter at jesse brown. Lynn, where can people find you? Oh, they can find me on Twitter too. I'm uh, Lynn underscore Cody. The website is canadalandshow.com. The crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. And we are so very close to the next milestone. Come check it out. I produced this show with Andrew Norton, and we'll have another episode of Canada Land up on Monday. If you like this show, support it. Andrew, make us sound good. Where is Andrew? Is he here? He's not here. Okay. (laughs)